Card presents Back Issue Bloodpath with your hosts, Andrew Young and Petula Neal. In 2018, the film Black Panther hit theaters, and suddenly there was a great realization in comics by the people that created them, the people that produced them, that, hey, there are black readers out there who enjoy authentic black stories. Maybe we should write more authentic black stories and bring in the right people to write them. Welcome to Back Issue Bloodbath. I'm Andrew Young. I'm Batula Neal. And this week we are looking at modern black representation in comics, specifically over the past 10 years, and how, while still not perfect, is getting much better compared to the way it was 10 years ago. And kind of, as I said, part of it is... The right people are being brought in to talk about their own experiences and bring in their own heritage. But also, again, the cynical side of it is people realize that, hey, we can make more money the more people that read our stuff. So <laughs> so those two motivations put together has created a much more interesting black representation in comics than there has been previously. Petula, of course, you know, the, the like all the way back in history that originally in the, the golden age... Black characters were just written as comedy relief, and they were very, very stereotypical, like racist representations, right? Even the ink color was yeah. just a little yeah. more. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And we talked about that many times. Oh, and, and shouts to my Asian and South Asian friends as well, because y'all were in the struggle bus of there's more than CMYK out there. Yeah, yeah. no, anyway. I hear you. And Woo. then, of course, we get into the Silver Age and. Stanley and Jack Kirby introduce the Black Panther. And it's been pointed out by uh, Dr. Sheena C. Howard, who wrote uh, Black Comics, Politics of Race and Representation, that they had to introduce him as a king from an African nation because they wanted to have a character that they could present as a hero. And due to not outward racism, which of course they knew that they were going to get a backlash from, but systemic racism of just the readers not being able to buy a black hero because there had never been a black hero. This was their kind of like pumping up the show. Like this is a character who's not a black American. So it's not anybody you've ever met. And like, that is what they had to do to put the black Panther on the same level as the white characters, the white heroes that, were in the books with him. In fact, they had it in his first appearance. He had to defeat the entire Fantastic Four. Which he did handily. Yeah, which yeah. he did handily. And that was great. But specifically, he did that because the systemic thing of like uh, a character of color had to be overly exceptional compared to their white counterparts to be accepted. One of the categories on my... I started to spreadsheet this, folks, and I, I actually had a, a column called Doing Twice as Much. Yeah. To yeah, get so, half as much. But yeah, it's those, you have to be super duper exceptional to be allowed to be in the room around the table to basically not be called boy yeah. or be the equivalent of a comic book wet nurse. Yeah, exactly. So they had to do it to that level for audiences to accept the character. Then we move on to the 70s and characters become very stereotypical of the black exploitation era. And there's like a level of, for some reason, if you're going to introduce a character, they had to be connected to uh, a life of crime and poverty. 
So of course you got Luke Cage, you got the Falcon who people might not remember or not, might not even know when he was first introduced, he was a pimp and then uh, black lightning, uh, John Stewart, of course he was a Marine, but he came from a, a poor, rougher environment. Like these characters were portrayed in that way. Yeah. There were no, and, uh, we still struggle with this in the community. There were no Huxtables. Uh, there were no, my, my parents are doctors and lawyers of those early characters. It was all, you know, single mothers, orphans, criminals. Yeah. A lot of the language was, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. In the 90s, with Milestone, we finally get these characters that are regular people. Like, they, again, they don't have to have they can any just connections be people. to crime. They can just be people, exactly. Created by Dwayne McDuffie, Dennis Cowan, Michael Davis, Derek T. Dingle. But the thing was, even though it was an imprint at DC, the 90s was an over-explosion of characters. And unfortunately, a lot of these characters got lost in the shuffle. The only one that kind of is still within people's minds is static for static shock, but not because of the comic, because of the cartoon that came out 10 years later. So it isn't until more recently that now things are opening up and we get to see a vast variety of new black characters, but also like rehab of some older characters like brother voodoo is now Dr. Voodoo. And a lot of the writing now of him is actually tied into a lot of uh, Haitian history, which is something that was missing from the comic before. So now we're getting to see these full-fledged characters, and part of the reason why is we're now getting in a lot more black creators that weren't getting the opportunity up until about 10 years ago, and that's because they would only take a chance on somebody who was already established, like a Dwayne McDuffie, like a Reginald Hudland, you know? Or someone who had been embedded in the system from the beginning, like, um, like Christopher Priest back when he was Jim Owsley. But of course, if you read a lot of Christopher Priest and Jim Owsley stuff, up until Black Panther, you wouldn't know that a black writer was writing that. Yeah. And he, he's talked at length about the whole, his situation. And even when he got Black Panther and then introduced the character who in the movies played by The Hobbit. Uh, as the voice of the traditional comic reader to kind of bring people in and it was very successful he still couldn't get out of the pun intended ghetto of black characters and yeah. like one of his biggest successes in the more modern era still ended up being one of his biggest frustrations so yeah yeah exactly yeah. and so now we're now getting away from that because we're now getting a lot of writers who are getting the opportunity that they weren't getting before. Like, of course, like now you got David, Wa David F. Walker, Jeffrey Thorne, Evan Narcisse, of course, Stephanie Williams, who we talked about before, Eval Ewing, all of these people are coming in and they're bringing an authenticity to the characters that was missing from before. And because of that, now they're getting, we're getting opportunities to read different stories in the big two. And Again, there is, there's some people that are very excited about this, you know, like uh, Evan Narcisse. He's very excited about this. But then David F. Walker, who writes some great stuff, does stand on the thing. Is like, well, it's because they finally have figured out that black people have money, that there are black fans out there, and let's, we should finally cater to them. And, and, and that's where the time frame that you picked is just makes so much sense. Because 2016, first of all, uh, 2015, we get the establishment of the Dwayne McDuffie Award. Yeah. Uh, but 2016, it's 
hey, we did it. Post-racial. It's the end of Obama's second term. Everything's fine now, right, guys? <laughs> right? Uh, and the real, like, exclamation mark on that is that the 2016 ta Coast by Panther Run was, like, the best-selling comic of that year. Drawn yeah, by Brian Stilfries. Like, it was... It should have been a time. It should have been a time. Yeah. And to your point, it's money. It's not just money. One of the bigs was making a ton of money. And that's where we get into one of the biggest arguments that we see from a certain quadrant of the internet is why don't you just do your own thing? And also in the late aughts and early teens of the 2000s, we had the rise of Kickstarter. So at the same time that you have the bigs finally remembering that black people have money, you also have a way for established and new creators to fund their own work. And so find they, their audience through that too. Exactly. And to show even to the bigs, like it's a hundred percent for every person of color, rainbow, etc., other that you have funded on Kickstarter, it's not like they didn't try to do it in air quotes easier way to get an agent or go to one of the bigs or pitch it to somebody else. It's that they were probably told no mm -hmm. a bunch of times and had done enough on spec that they were able to put like a good enough Kickstarter together to get stuff funded. So my normal spreadsheet exercise where, you know, I had the, you know, I see a white character, let's paint it black. That was my like, you know, your Green Lantern, your Miles Morales, your whatever. And the, you know, reboot of like previously problematic. I really ended up with so much more data in the independent. And that is almost all of those titles were either related to Kickstarter or famous person collabo. And a lot of them I had donated to. Like I donated to one of the original Niobe Kickstarters when mm -hmm. Sebastian Jones was collaborating with Amanda Stenberg. And you remember the the cover for that one in Niobe. She it's like a half elf, a warrior bounty hunter, which just sounds cool. Like, <laughs> let's take the blackness out of it. So imagine that with like Amanda Stenberg's features, because she has sort of like that same quality that Elijah Wood has, like just almost preternaturally large eyes, not maybe spaced as far apart as Kali Culkin and his brothers, but like just looks a little bit otherworldly, mm. like her default feature set. So throw a little, some pointy ears and some paint on that. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, Niobe, that creator and Stranger Comics, they're actually about to uh, collaborate with uh, Tusom Budu, who you may know from such things as Underground Railroad or the woman king so it's like you have a mix of kickstarter stuff but also like famous black nerds that are like yeah we were always here and we were just buying your stuff but now we can also like help create or write on things erica alexander from living single has written comic books mm. like she in 2018 she actually um wrote on season 11 of buffy the vampire slayer there's a whole world that was ignored, boom, but when boom puts they out, puts that out, right? Boom. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And when they saw all the money that uh, Marvel was able to make off of Black Panther, first the comic book and then later on the movie, it really opened up 
so this isn't like altruistic. This isn't about going work or broke. This little like, oh, we could have had more money if yeah, we'd had more we're, of we're this We're going to pick along. up that money on the table yeah. that we've been leaving there. Yeah, that's yeah. this is not about doing the right thing. This is about getting paid. But yeah. we as readers gain from that because we do get these stories. That's the the positive side yes. of the no, greed. I love it. The yeah. positive side of the yeah. cynicism is we get these stories. Yeah, and- capitalism's not all bad. Yeah. And then yeah. again, we also, we've, we've gotten new characters over the past couple of years that have been, you know, exciting. Of course, like Riri Williams was uh, created by Brian Michael Bendis, but Eval Ewing fleshed out the character in her series. Joe, Joe Mullen, the, uh, yeah, uh, Green Sojourner. Lantern. Yeah. Sojourner. Yeah. 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 Who, uh, of course is the star of Far Sector. And then of course there's Naomi that, uh, David F. Walker and Brian Michael Bendis created together. Which, uh, hell, had a TV series already. Like, that's like, in these past couple of years, some of these great characters are popping up and they're already, you know, finding their place within the big two, like cementing their mark so that, and have a fan base. And that, that is great, in my opinion, because it's like, there's so many, there was years that Marvel and DC would create new characters on a whim and then never follow them up, never give them the support. Be like, well, they got a mini series. Ah, to hell with it. These characters are getting not only brought back up for reoccurring series, but are being put into the teams like the Justice League and the Avengers and uh, the Champions and things like that. So they're getting a lot of page space, which, again, 10, 15 years ago, wouldn't have happened. And there's just a lot of good new independent IP out there. There's new characters, new worlds. And it's also, listener, it's not just people of color getting right and draw these things like one of my favorite books skyward it's a couple of white dudes yeah <laughs> and just like such a re premise like world without gravity but like make it conspiracy theory like so fun and the writer on that worked on lucifer which is like a just a general nerd favorite and a writer that shows that he's been able to show different characters different backgrounds in authentic ways and make each person a person and not just like a trope of what they are Mm -hmm. and like big and small books like one-offs like the harriet tubman demon slayer i donated to that kickstarter excellence came out with a beautiful hardcover as that was sort of winding down uh, a secret cabal of black magicians like (laughs) I'm excited because there's just so much stuff out there that could be made in other things, could continue. Omni, the humanoids like spinoff we got, the we've talked about the whole ignition thing and that. Obviously, uh, David F. Walker's everything, including like Bitterroot and the Black Panther stuff. Well, see, you bring up the Black Panther stuff. And another thing yeah. that I, has been great recently is that over the past 10 years, Let's face it. What's been the stupid thing that hard right wing people have been obsessed with and are freaking out about? They're like, don't teach critical race theory in our schools, which nobody has, but they're acting like, oh, they're teaching stuff. And it's like, oh, so you don't want people to teach history correctly. Okay. Thankfully, then stop giving us family tree assignments and wondering it, why they wander off at a certain point. Exactly. Exactly. I'm just going to draw a boat. Yeah. <laughs> But thankfully, critical race theory is alive and well in comics. You bring up the the history of the Black Panther Party by David F. Walker. Of course, he's also 
written the life of Frederick Douglass. Uh, of course, there was the uh, the John Lewis uh, pen. The March comics. books. Yeah, yeah the, March the third books. one came out in 2016. And yeah. run book one as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, so the, all of those books are there, but then also even ones, there's even critical race theory being taught in narrative fiction as well. R. Allen Brooks, he has a comic called Anguish Garden, and it's an allegory about leaving white supremacy behind. And white supremacist movements and white supremacists, of course, are sending death threats to them and whatnot. But books like that, we're getting like really interesting allegories as well. You're getting this stuff in comics, you're not getting it anywhere else. And it's a great educational tool on top of just being fun books to read as well. And it has skipped over to like non-comic book people. So listener, a couple of years ago, you may have noticed, and even this past December, you may have seen a few people on the site formerly known as Twitter talking about black people getting superpowers on December 21st. So back in 2020, like a joke tweet, because a couple planets went into alignment for the first time in 400 years. And yeah, we know what happened 400 years ago. There was this whole thing of like, black people were going to get superpowers that day. And everybody, black Twitter was like joking, like what your powers would be. Uh, very much similar to the premise of black. Another great kind of semi-independent comic where the premise is, what if only black people could get superpowers? And that is now an annual thing on social media where <laughs> on December, <laughs> you'll see a lot of pictures of a version of Dr. Manhattan in like a Kente hat <laughs> or of a Sean or whatever on Twitter. Just like, just scroll by. It's not for everyone, uh, <laughs> but it's super fun to, you know, wake up in, in late December around the solstice and hope against hope maybe this year i get my superpowers <laughs> yeah well what would the superpower you'd want though i think i would be similar to emma stone but instead of uh, turning it a diamond it would be salt because i'm a salty auntie yeah <laughs> all right okay that's cool yeah oh, also man. goes with like i just like ribs in general it's it's one of our fun activities that we do when we're not talking about comic books is eating ribs yes so, we like eating ribs yeah. totally yeah oh, so man. salty and a little bit sweet there you go so of course you know like we're getting all these great stories but as i mentioned there are people there's backlash there's people that suck and this is something that's just happened over the past few years which i was really interested in uh joseph illage put together the access guide to the black comic community Basically, as somebody has said it, it's a green book for comic, yeah. comic readers yeah. that basically it tells you the black friendly conventions, the black friendly comic shops across America, the black owned comic shops, the black owned publishers, a list of black characters, black writers, black artists. And uh, they printed a new one recently for 2021 and 2022, which is still available. You can pick it up. But yeah, I just found that interesting that it's like, there's a guide out there for the black comic community to basically have a safe journey through fandom. It's fantastic. If anything, when we first sort of scheduled this, I was like, oh, it's going to be a research thing. And then I realized I literally just have to search in my own Gmail for Kickstarter and I donated to half of <laughs> yeah. the, if you Google like popular black independent comic books through the last decade. Because, like, I don't have a lot of money, but, you know, 
once you donate to one thing, the algorithm finds you and like knows you have a few coins to spare. And that's been the thing that's also been great about this sort of post Obama Kickstarter era is once you engage with one creator or artist, you'll eventually end up finding other things, either through following them on social media or through Kickstarter or through them moving to other titles. Uh, as you mentioned, e-viewing, like there's, or Evan Arcis, you know, just, uh, you know, journalist, journalist, but then also doing comics and coming in and out of that world. And it's a great time because now you don't have to hunt as much before you had to look, but between the fact that our computers are creeping on us and that there's just more people kind of cross pollinating between working for the bigs and working for independence and doing their own crowdfunded stuff and then cross pollinating. It's just a great time to be able to find new content because you don't always want to read the same stuff or sometimes you want to read about a character, you know, but with a different twist on them. Yeah. And you have everything from like, you know, Prodigy, which is yet another one of those, you know, may end up as a Mark Millar Netflix show to things that are like blackity black. That's a super independent and completely funded like as a one off. And then, of course, we've also got great black creators writing white characters as well, like Ta-Nehisi Coates wrote on Captain America. There's only been a, like a dozen black creators that have written for Marvel to get to finally to now like, hey, here's Captain America. That's that's great. That strides in the right direction. I want to read something that Eval Ewing said that uh, when she decided to take on Ly uh, Ironheart, the, the Riri Williams comic, and she was getting all this backlash and she was like, for this? I've done a hell of a lot more like political stuff than this and stuff like that. And she brought it up to Tony Hasi Coates and Tony Hasi Coates said to her, if you do this, you will face the most racism and sexism you've ever dealt with in your life. And you will also have the most fun you've ever had writing anything. And I think that's the key is that they're getting to write these characters and just do stuff that they haven't gotten a chance to do in other mediums, which is just, it's fantastic. Yeah, it is the one thing you'll find a lot of these creators. They may not necessarily always have their like email on their social, <laughs> or some of them don't even have like a social you can contact them through. Yeah. Um, they talk about people finding through other people. It's like a real like Bill Murray doesn't have an agent kind of situation. And that's because of the internet. So if you see somebody being terrible and you're a person that looks like them and doesn't look like me, maybe just tell them pump the brakes. Cause guess what? You're not the first person to have a negative opinion about them and most of the negative opinions about them or their title or their work are usually uh wrapped up in uh death threats or sexual aggression and they don't need to hear another one like yeah. if you don't like it buy something else yeah for all you white supremacists out there that are freaking out about finally other colors and races getting time and sex is getting time in the comics in your comics well you know those white characters are still there so fuck off you know and as long as the bigs are occasionally making money off it they're not gonna stop no so while uh your rhyming slogans for why it's a bad idea are catchy they only care about money and when you think of you know fancy filmmakers like uh gina bythewood talking about how hard it is to get movies made because places only want to make comic movies but also in the same round table confirming that they were trying to make woman king for 10 years 
And by the time she was engaged, they were only able to make it because of Black Panther. Like these two things can exist mm-hmm. in the same space. Like exactly, you don't get the money for Woman King to make that movie unless Black Panther existed, unless the comics existed, unless they'd made multiple monies. For so for every oh we only had five issues of World of Wakanda, but they still made a ton of money off of the other runs and they are you know doing one-offs for like Wakanda another Stephanie Williams story that just came out a little while ago as well as we're gonna have another show for that you just don't have to watch read consume everything if you don't like it but understand it's getting made because somebody's crunched the numbers and decided I want to make money off this or in the case of WB we're not making this because we're in a lawsuit and we don't want to pay residuals to a widow, but whatever. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But Hey, I guess the bottom line is though, if you want to see more of these characters, if you want to see more of these great works, if you want to hell, if you want to see more films like the, like the woman King, I still just want to see static flying around in his like garbage lid. Like I I say, I say, give it time. It's going to happen at some point, but Hey, it's just comes down to this support black characters, support black creators. You're going to get more of more of this. That's what it all comes down to. So definitely. So uh, this has been another episode of Back to Spillbath. Petula, where can people find you? At Inotiff.com, on Twitter, or Hive at Obesacantawit, O-B-E-S-A-C-A-N-T-A-V-A-T. And here with you. And of course, you can find everything I do over at GeekArtShow.com. Follow me on Twitter at GeekArt. Follow me on Instagram at Andrew underscore of underscore geek underscore hard. Of course, you can follow this very show on Facebook at Back Issue Bloodbath, where we post the new episode every week. But to make sure you don't miss an episode, you subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice. So in that way, you don't have to think about it. It's just going to show up. It's there. And then when it is there, you can listen to it. And then you can talk to your friends like you know what's going on. Like you'll have an edge in those those very uh, deep intellectual conversations you have over martinis. I don't know. I, that would be cool if you guys did that. This has been Back Bloodbath. I'm Andrew Young. I'm Bitchell O'Neill. Have yourself a good...